0: This episode is brought to you by Personal Capital. Don't forget to sign up for your free account with Personal Capital right now. With Personal Capital, you'll finally be able to see all your accounts in one place and get a clear view of everything you own. To sign up for free, go to personalcapital.com slash smart people. Again, that's personalcapital.com slash smart people. Personal Capital, less fees, more G's.
2: Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. So glad you could join us today as we cover a topic that, in all honesty, I could really use. Uh, We're talking about women and men, the opposite sexes, how to communicate with them, how to find the one of your dreams, how to live the life you want with them, and how to communicate in the different strategies that we need when we're in relationships. Uh, As many of you know, I'm recently married, so I'm still trying to figure this whole thing out. It's really, as we all know, you know, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. It's just the nature of the opposite sexes. I'd have it no other way. It keeps us on our toes, but it can always help to learn a couple tools, a couple of ways to be on the same page with your partner, to create intimacy. And then there's things like, what if you're single? How do you find the woman of your dreams? What does that even mean? How do you know the right signals? We cover all these things today as we talk with Savannah Ellis. Savannah is the CEO and founder of the Infidelity Recovery Institute, and she is also the COO of the Relationship Society. Savannah has coached thousands of couples and individuals from Sydney, Australia to Las Vegas, Nevada, to help them achieve their relationship and personal goals. Her passion is to help people be authentic to themselves and others. She is also the author of the recent book, I Cheated. Now, we don't talk too much about infidelity, but we do kind of cover the pitfalls that often accompany relationships as you grow in a relationship, the things that change, how to keep things passionate, how to really keep that fire burning. And then we talk about the early stages, how to communicate and how to find that partner in crime. going to turn it over here to Savannah in a minute. Please, guys, if you enjoy the show, we'd really appreciate it if you head on over to iTunes or Stitcher. Leave us a review and a rating. It helps us. It gets people to find out about us. We're just trying to spread the wealth. Head on over to smartpeoplepodcast.com, see what we're all about, read the posts, check out our favorite quotes, and sign up for our newsletter. It's the best way to stay in touch. Hope you enjoy the show. Here it is, Savannah Ellis. Well, Savannah, thank you so much for being on the show. I'm really excited to talk to you. It might be a little selfish on my end because I just got married about, I think it's a month ago, and I can't say a ton has changed. We've lived together for a little bit, um, and we've been dating for a while, but now it's real, and it's always been real, but now I'm like, okay, this is forever, and I better learn how to communicate. Like, I better actually put some work into it. So I figured... Hey, you know, we can, that's where we should start. So I'd like to kind of learn what is the best way that you have found for couples to communicate with each other so that they can get things off their chest when they need to be honest with each other. So you don't have the problems arise later, all that good stuff.
1: Okay. Well, you know, you must have been doing something right to to get that wonderful wife of yours (laughs) to sign that to sign that contract right so you know i think we um underestimate what our skills are when it comes to that department and that little uh, seed of doubt gets into our minds and then it grows into something that's bigger than ben-hur so how do we how do we remind ourselves what's really important when it comes to communication It goes back to those fundamental basics because we really are quite instinctive. It's really already programmed into us. And I think it's important, especially for guys, to understand, to really listen to their instinct. And if you stepped away from that, especially if you're a city guy, I'm going to remind you right now what you need to really (laughs) focus on to really remember how to communicate. So it really goes back to what I call the three keys and um and this also follows into something else let me just add what i call the monogamy pyramid and so it this this really goes down to just three important factors and it's quite simply chemistry personality life goals and values now that doesn't sound like it's a step by step plan for communication but let's let's think about it right let's think about chemistry right so if you're really attracted to someone let's think about you how you met your wife right your potential wife and you had that that chemistry for her right so did that make it really easy for you to talk to her when you first met her?
0: It was, yeah,
2: it was yeah. simple. I, this, It's so interesting that you brought those three things up and I'll let you keep going on those, but I, I do remember that day and it was, it was just so much fun and it remained that way for months.
1: Right. So just on that though, if she like say, for example, it was a, um, an internet date and it was a first date, right, of, by the internet and you weren't that attracted to the woman, right? Do you, th- uh, you know, but let's just, and maybe this wasn't the scenario, but you weren't really that attracted to her. Maybe it had to grow into something down the track. Do you think the chemistry of the communication would have been a little bit more um, backwards at that stage?
2: Oh yeah, it would have been forced. I mean, to be honest, I probably wouldn't have done it because <laughs> I think you got to be attracted to them right away.
1: There you go. And that's what you're talking about when I, when I talk about natural, right? It, this is instinctive. So you were, what it sounds like, you were really attracted to your um, your um this woman. What's your wife's name?
0: Her name's Heather. The-
1: Heather. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like you were really attracted to Heather and it really came naturally. So, um, and she would have picked up on that and it would have made her feel really good. Okay. So then we, it goes into personality types, right? Your, you know, personality types means a lot because to me, I mean, unless there's a mental disorder, there's nothing really wrong with anyone, right? It's really just about matching up of personality type so when you hear somebody bitching about this person has all these problems or issues they don't really have all these problems and issues they're just not right for you right and and you're forced yourself into that relationship and now all you're doing is nagging and becoming you, you know you're not being authentic and that's what causes a lot of misery you know you maybe you're just sticking in that relationship because you can't be bothered finding anyone else right <laughs> you, you, you know you go down the the pub and you hear your friends just talk about their girlfriends and they're bitching away and you just think man why don't you just leave her right why don't you just go and find someone that you can actually get along with and this is really important that you you find someone with the right personality type for you because long term for example when you get married you're going to have this friendship and friendship is one of those key elements in a long-term relationship. Sex will start to, you know, sex is always important, but it's really important when you're under 40, right? It's like, you <laughs> must have it, right? You know, it's, and, and, I, um, for male clients, when they come in, I've got the infidelity recovery clinic, right? And guys come in and they almost feel ashamed that they have this strong drive, this strong sexual need. And I say, just own it, right? You've got to own it. And you've got to tell your wife, hey, I've got this need for sex. I've got to like have it several times a day and I'm not going to bug you about that several times a day, but just know that if I could have it several times a day, Hmm. I would have it several times a day. You know, just get that communication out there because if you guys can develop this friendship and this rapport, then you can develop some humour in the relationship and it's not so dramatic all the time when a man has to say, Hey, you know, I really feel like some.
2: Hmm. And then
1: she's like, Oh my God, you're at it again. <laughs>
2: That's a really funny point. And I'd like to say for everyone and all female listeners, just assume that they want to have sex with you. Just, uh, just assume it. And then at least you won't be surprised when they bug you about it.
1: <laughs> that is so right. And I'm not going to put you on a spot and ask you for questions. Yes, I know, please don't. Because uh, <laughs> I know you're a newlywed. <laughs> But I just want to say that, you know, this first year of marriage is such an exciting time, but it can continue the whole relationship if you've got someone with the right chemistry and the right personality, because sex and friendship should be the two ingredients that basically the theme of the entire marriage, the entire relationship and if people can just remember those two elements of the success of marriages, then there wouldn't be divorce.
2: When you said that, that when you broke it down into the chemistry, personality, and then life goals and values, I I, re- I got goosebumps because I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I was giving relationship advice. Not that I should be, but I was just saying, here's what I found. And I said... I think there's two things that define a perfect person for for anyone, so the two things are: are you super attracted to them right off the bat, and basically for as long as you've known them i and I don't think there's any apologies to that you just it's part of it, and the second part is do you want to be around them, and when you're around them, can you be your true self and right. and that's it, and for me. That was, I don't think it was a conscious decision, but I think for everyone, we get bombarded with so many different, oh, you got to look for this. You got to find this person. It's got to be great. There's fairy tales, but it's like, do you enjoy being around them? And do you want to jump their bones for the most part? And that's pretty much it.
1: That is it. That is well said. And men just have to be more authentic in saying that. Mm. Quite When I was in LA, um, you know, because I live part time in three cities right now, one of the biggest debates I got hooked on to on our therapy website was men in LA and they're finding that females are becoming too domineering and, um, you know, standing over men and, and men don't have a say anymore. Well, men do have a say. They just need to step up and say it. Right. And stop being railroaded. You know, you do have a say, but men really, and this is a deeper issue too. It's basically, you know, a product of a divorce society with a lot of females raising men. Right. That's one of a, a big issue, but men feel like, you know, they, they can get pushed over and they don't stand up for themselves. And remember your childhood and your teenage years, your first relationships, Uh, is your only model, your only training ground for your future relationships. So if you don't learn the communication skills and the conflict resolution skills there, where else are you going to learn it, right? And that's why divorce is so high. Think about it. In that first, you know, divorce basically averages out between the seven and ten-year mark because both people feel like, well, we failed, Mm. They place blame on either themselves through guilt and shame or the other person because, you know, the other person has all these flaws. But really, they just haven't done any courses or they don't have any knowledge how to do something different.
2: One of the things that I know almost everyone that I'm friends with struggled with, you know, I'm now 31, so recently was in that whole mode of meeting different women and dating and all that stuff. And I know a bunch of my friends in the same boat. And they were always wondering, look, I like this person, but are they perfect for me? You know, I like them, but they have this one thing or they're I might not like their mom or they might something about their job. They might not make any money. They might be too busy. I mean, there's a lot of things. And I know that people sometimes get stressed out and go, well, if it's not perfect, then I'm just going to be another statistic that ends up in divorce. Do you hear that kind of mentality often?
1: Oh, absolutely! Because we like to listen to those old wife tales, right? It, yeah. it serves as well. What do you
2: tell them when they say, "Look, it's great. I think it's perfect, but I don't know." And if it's not, I'm worried it's just going to not work out. So, I mean, I guess it goes to that whole commitment phobe thing.
1: You're right. I mean, and commitment phobia too. It's um, you really have to look at the background of someone that says, "There's a you know, we have a commitment phobia issue," because. If they're living in a big city, right, and they've got commitment phobia, is it really commitment phobia or are they just too much choice and they're making a decision that they like being single? Right, so mm. when we label things, we start to stereotype, and then we start to follow a label. Right, May, you know, in Sydney, it's just it's a huge, it's a great party town for young people, and uh, many of my friends, you know, I've been in the states for five years and I've come back, and many of my single friends are still single. Right, and I and I did a a little study, you know, a question um, group the other the other week, and I said why is it that everyone's still single? You know, you're all very good-looking people living this great lifestyle, and it's just there's too much choice, Hmm. right? Nobody wants to basically just have the choice of just one person So because, you know, the lifestyle is so good versus somebody that is out of the Sydney Basin, right, more of my country uh, kin. To them, the belief system is that it's very important to have a family, to have a community right? That is very important, right? Rather than, you know, the bigger, better deal, you know, having lots of choice, having a fun party lifestyle. So it really depends where it comes from.
2: When you talk to those people who have all that choice, are they often in conflict? Because I know uh, many of people who are like that, they say, well, I want to settle down. And then you just watch them unable to settle down. And you really wonder, have they sat down, looked at themselves and said, what do I actually want at this age in my life in terms of relationships?
1: Right. And and once again, yeah, you're right. It is an age thing, right? They come to a certain age. And the longer you you are single and you are getting that list, top 10 list of what they must have, and then it turns into a list of 20 and then it's a <laughs> list of 30. And before you know it, that list Goes out the door of the pub that you're bitching about that list to to <laughs> your friends, rolls down the street, right? So because all your fears and anxieties are built into that list as well, right? And really, people like that—if some of your listeners are like that—what that really is based on is trauma. So they really have to do an assessment of who hurt them in their childhood, early relationships. Was it betrayal by a parent? Was it betrayal by a first girlfriend or something like that that they really haven't identified and tried to resolve?
2: So you, I know you talk a lot about infidelity, and I, what you were kind of just talking about trauma. I, I think about the fact that almost everyone who has lived life, who has experienced things at some point or another, has dealt with heartbreak maybe not just once, maybe multiple times, and it can be extremely traumatic. So for that person, whether it be somebody who is recently divorced, maybe you're going off to college and you just broke up with your high school sweetheart, or you were engaged and found something crazy or terrible happened and the engagement got broken off. What do you tell people? Because I know you deal with that a lot on how to move forward, how to be realistic with uh, what that did to you and how to not let it really determine your future relationship status?
1: Yeah. I mean, for example, my son is 21 years old, right? And, uh, you know, and of course, he's a little bit younger than what your general listener is. But this is how, I mean, he's at this age where he's, he'll get stuck in this mindset. So I want to show an example to your listeners of how this really works. So he fell in love with this girl a couple of years ago. And, of course, at that age, you know, everyone's doing the wrong thing, right? So, so, Mm. I mean, what's being faithful at the age of 16 and 17? whoever turns up with a better car wins the deal so um, you know the girl that he was really into uh, broke his heart and I thought that was cute at the time you know this little early love but for him I didn't really recognize how heartbroken he really was now he's got this other girl that's totally in love with him now and they've just moved in together actually uh, but he won't commit to her. And so when I asked him about it, like why you moved in with her, you're, you're, it looks like commitment, right? It It smells like commitment. It looks like commitment. Why isn't it commitment? He said, well, I can't trust that, you know, that she'll do the right thing by me because I don't want her, me to invest all this time, effort and money in her. And then at the age of 30, she leaves me right, so this if if I don't start working with him now and start to break this up, he'll be still thinking this thought when he's thirty years old. These thoughts just don't go away or disperse with time, so when I get clients and they're thirty or forty or fifty years old, they've still got that same thought as for example, my son. It's from that point of trauma that someone holds on and encodes that thought or that memory, and that is your belief until that thought or memory is changed.
0: Today, I want to share with you guys a free and secure tool called Personal Capital that solves two barriers to growing your wealth. The first barrier is that it's hard to keep track of your stocks, 401k account, bank accounts, etc., all on different sites with different usernames and passwords. It's such a pain in the neck. Secondly, you probably pay someone to manage all these accounts, and more than likely you're paying too much. Personal Capital brings all your accounts and assets on one single screen, on your computer, phone, or tablet, with real-time and intuitive graphs. It shows you how much you're overpaying in fees, and how to reduce those fees. You also get tailored advice on optimizing your investment. So why wait? Signing up takes just a minute, and it'll pay big dividends. Personal Capital gives you total clarity and transparency to make better investment decisions right away. To set up your free account, go to personalcapital.com slash smart people. Personal Capital is free and the smart way to grow your money. You must go to personalcapital.com slash smart people for your free account. What are you waiting for? Head over to personalcapital.com slash smart people today. One of the sponsors for the show today
2: is 99designs and as I'm sure you guys have noticed, they've been supporting the show for quite some time now, but more importantly, you need to know what 99designs can do for you. If you have any design needs, and I'm talking not just websites and logos, things like that, but t-shirts, car wraps, book covers... 99designs is the place to go, and here's why. Normally, you go, you get one designer who gives you a few different options, but they only have one outlook on what your brand or product should look like. With 99designs, you get dozens of designers and potentially over 100 different variations of a design for the price of just one. You then get to work with all of these independent designers and pick your favorite option and then pay for just that one. It's like having a whole firm work for you. As you know, John and I worked with them recently to kind of recreate our logo and put those on some laptop stickers. So by the way, if you want some of those, email us and we'll get them in the mail to you. But the bigger thing is you should head on over to 99designs, go to 99designs.com smart, and you'll get a power pack upgrade for free just by using that link. I know a bunch of you have that entrepreneurial spirit, that thing you want to grow, that website you want to design. But a lot of times the logo or the branding or the images are holding you back because as we know, in today's environment, people will make a split second decision based on how professional your images are. Visit 99designs.com slash smart and get a $99 power pack of services free today. How do you change that thought process? How do you go about breaking that up for those that are out there going, yeah, I just went through this or, hey, maybe that is the the case of the issue. How do they, you know, what advice do you give them to start working through that so that they can move on to a healthy relationship?
1: The best way to really do that once you recognize it, you know, because this is this is a type of thinking that can destroy your life or as a guy, this can cost you a lot of money in terms of divorce. Right. So this is, you know, no matter where you are, I I seriously uh, recommend that you go find the best therapist wherever you are and get some cognitive behavioral therapy, because what that does, it starts to challenging challenge those limiting beliefs. And that's what you really want. Because, you know, the thing is, you understand consciously, you know, right from wrong, you understand it, but subconsciously, it's telling you a different story right it's it's keeping you powerless it's keeping you in that state of mind like my own son when he was 16 or 17 years old and that girl dumped him for the guy with a better car right Mm -hmm. so what i'm doing now is a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy with him very i mean very covert because i'm the mother right and i'm a psychologist so (laughs) that doesn't go down too well with a son right mom really (laughs) exactly
2: I was I was thinking that I was like, oh man, that's got to be difficult for your son. Like that is the one topic you just don't want to go there with your mom, (laughs)
1: right? with him, but it's just like, Oh my gosh, what do you do? Cause he's not going to take it from anyone else. And I'm going to get the, the, the comment, mom, don't be a therapist. It's like, um, yeah, exactly. So, okay.
2: So what are some of those things? What, what is an, an example of cognitive behavioral therapy that you might use on somebody or that our listeners could be like, I'm going to, I'm going to use this tool.
1: What it really is it 's just challenging those limiting beliefs okay so it 's a it 's a really but you need to go and see a therapist about it it 's not something that you can go and do by yourself at home right. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's basically what a therapist goes to school for like 6 to 12 years to actually learn to do. Mm. So you go to the therapist, you'll do a whole assessment, and they'll explain to you how CBT works. It's called CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy. And what they really do is try to look at how those limiting thoughts and beliefs lead to your actions and your emotions.
2: You know, I'm familiar with it. I know how much change it can it can bring on you can rewire the brain in a way that uh, if you don't work on it, it can it can cause a lot of issues. So, the other thing I wanted to talk about is okay. So say we have people who are uh, they're they're out in the dating scene, they're meeting women or men. I guess I always come from my perspective, but what have you found people are concerned about, you know, like when they're, when they're meeting people and they're, they're looking into a life partner, what are the things that people call you up and say, I just don't know if I, if, if this is the one, or I don't know if this is fairy tale love. And, you know, it's the whole pressure to get married and have babies. Like what kind of advice do you give those people and what do you work with them on?
1: Just um, recently I had the clinic in Las Vegas and the biggest, I was really impressed with, uh, especially guys that would come in early thirties, right. And they'd come in with or without their girlfriends and they were really struggling with being monogamous, right. Or having a roving eye and they really wanted to, uh, be that monogamous guy. How do we stay monogamous to our wives or girlfriends? How do we just be interested in one person? And, um, It's really genuine. You know, some people, unless you're in that situation, it can sound quite amusing, right? I get a lot of very successful people and sports people that come in and they're like, wow, we really want to stay committed to our wives. This is really a challenge, right? Mm -hmm. Very good-looking guys, very athletic, and they're in Las Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, but you've got to understand that men want to be monogamous It's just really, I mean, monogamy isn't something that we're naturally built to be, right? We are, you know, it's a conscious choice to be monogamous. And unless you're brought up with a really strong belief system, so it's not about, you know, your attachment to the girl that's going to keep you monogamous. It's about your belief system, about what being faithful is, about what having a relationship really means, right? And then if your belief system is that, okay, no matter what, I will not sleep with another woman while I'm married or I'll not have sex with anybody while I have a girlfriend, right? I'd rather leave my girlfriend than be unfaithful to her, Mm -hmm. right? That's Mm -hmm. a really strong belief system. It's not about the girl. Does that make sense?
2: It does. It makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah. So, For example, one guy came in with his wife. She was a very successful doctor. Hand in hand, they came in the door and that's basically what he said. You know what? I'm really, I have a roving eye and, you know, my wife and I have been married for a few years and I'm really finding it difficult to Mm. um, not look at other women and I'm scared that I'm going to take this to the next level, Mm. right? So we really had to look what was going on inside that relationship. Now, I don't like to go back and do cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Bring in all the past stuff and try and make sense of your thoughts and feelings and, and match it up from your childhood and bring it into the present. Right. Cause when I'm in couple therapy, it's all about the here and now and uh, the future, right? That's why I have successful couple therapy, right? right. Because people, especially guys, you don't want to be in session for any more than say five to six sessions. Right. Mm -hmm. You're you're solution focused. You want to get these ideas or concepts, you want to be able to apply them and you want to get on with your life. That's that's the way it is. And so I knew I had a very short time frame with this guy, this couple. And so what was really going on is this this couple now made family life a priority, right? You know, just being, you know, running the household, making a meal sleeping at the right time, going to work at the right time versus that friendship and the sex, right? Hmm. So what happens when we got married, the bed would have to be perfect. The evening meals would have to be perfect. You know, the parents-in-law would come over and have a nice little visit and life became unnatural. So when we think about what's natural versus unnatural, it's natural when we think about mating to just get on with it and just you know have sex that's what why people couple up hmm. you know to have that friendship that bonding and sex it's unnatural to sit in front and you know of other people and have a tea party every single day and then not mate hmm.
2: i really like the simplicity of that idea it's kind of going to look the, there's a reason you're attracted to this person there's a reason we do what we do Maybe you don't have to think about it so much and, and do those natural things and keep it light, you know, instead of planning that, like you said, the make the bed, dinner at this time, you, this is your job, this is mine, you know, laugh, make jokes and things like that are the cure to the boring relationship.
1: Right, and that's when it becomes boring. So even though he was trying to stay interested and focused in this powerful, strong, committed husband, you know, the wife has become very staged. What happens after that? You know, she lets herself go a little bit. You know, they they have a child. Now the child is the number one focused. And this is a actually, it's horrible to say, um, but when a, most infidelity recurs occurs in relationships is at that time of pregnancy and the first child wow. because um the woman naturally like what how nature makes us women is that it gives us a natural dose of prozac if you like so we can chill out and be focused on child rearing and when that happens we're instantly not interested in mating Right until that child has finished, basically breastfeeding, and then we get our sex drive back. Yeah. And I was having this conversation with a gynecologist friend, both in uh, Las Vegas and another colleague in Apple Valley, about this. And I said, "You've got to tell your your women, female clients, this because what happens is they go home and tell their husbands that they're asking too much of them by asking for sex." Mm. But if the husbands don't get sex, remember, it's the male's natural drive to want sex. So to say, okay, you cannot have sex now for two years, or you can have it once a month for the next two years, that is really putting a lot of pressure on the guy to be unnatural. Right. So even though he doesn't want to act out, the possibility of him acting out is extremely high. Yeah, and I think and yes, that belief system's really high.
2: Just knowing the reasoning behind it might help out a lot of people. You know, knowing, hey, it's not me. It's not that she doesn't want me. It's that nature intended it this way, you know, and the hormones change and all that. And I think oftentimes just the knowledge and the awareness could help in a situation like that.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I got to tell you that those two, um, those two doctors that I spoke about and went back and took that advice to their clinics. And because generally, remember, gynecologists are going to be on the side of the females because they're dealing with females all day, right? So, no, hmm. so it's very unlikely it's that true. they take the, the male um, advice, not to be mean against the males, but they're just looking at the female's perspective and so forth. But um, they said that really helped relationships. Right, because you're really the women are understanding what the man's needs are because we're not taught this, remember, in our childhood or, or through school, right, or anywhere else. So it's got to come from a professional to say, hey, you know, you're going to feel like this and you're not going to have that high sex drive, but you know what? Find intimacy in your relationship some other way if you don't want penetrative sex. You know, there's other ways that you can have an intimate environment right? And keep that friendship and sex really, t- it's sex, I mean, there's many different ways to have that intimacy and that bond. Mm-hmm. Um, but that environment of intimacy, so the relationship bond is really tight. And then you don't have to step outside that relationship and make a mistake that most guys don't want to make.
2: And you know, you mentioned something there, you said how and and you spoke on it earlier that people aren't really taught these things. You know, we kind of have a sloppy way that we learn and go about it unless we talk to a professional. And I wanted to sort of switch gears to uh, another subject that we're not taught about and it can get really frustrating. And that's just at the core, it's arguments, but really it's conflict resolution in a relationship or just proper communication. And the reason – and what I kind of want to ask you about it is we hear so many different things, right? We hear, okay, women – like here's the most common, right? Women don't want problem solved. They just want to be listened to. And men, they don't really want to talk. They just want to be. So watch their sports and all this. And some of this is – a, obviously an exaggeration or a stereotype. But in all honesty, what I found is sometimes, more often than not, there tends to be truth behind it. So since I have the expert that we don't often get to learn from on the line, talk to us about how, how we really should be communicating with each other in a relationship, what strengthens that bond, and specifically the difference between the way men and women communicate and want to be in that process.
1: You know, just on that, can I... um. Send your listeners over to YouTube and uh, there's a great video. It's called It's Not About the Nail it's a really well done three minute skit about the differences between men and women and their, uh, their conflict resolution and listening skills. I mean, I send all my clients straight to there at first cause I love to use humor as well um, when I'm doing my um, coaching or therapy, because it's really important to have humor in a relationship. Mm. So that's, that's a really um, strong point. You know, when, to start, if you want to be great at conflict resolution, learn to use humor, not disrespectfully, but as a softener. Because we forget that we're talking to a friend. We, we're not going in the battle with somebody, mm-hmm. right? We don't hate this person. We really like this person. So we're trying to find a way to resolve it, not to keep the battle going. And people have to remember that. You know, when you guys first met, and falling in love you did you did you wouldn't still be together if you fought intensely and to win and to really berate each other you wouldn't be together now so if people just remember that hey let's continue this relationship the way we started that would solve most of problems just to begin with but your question is really in, in longer relationships, say you've already gone past that point, how do you get back to a point of basically, you know, being a bit civil to each other? And I take people back to what I call um, the monologues. And I, it's all about listening skills. And there's speaking and there's listening, right? And listening is something that we're all really, really bad at. And so the monologues, it's, it's a 20-minute exercise. And let me give you um, one of my secrets of therapy, right? I'm going to save right. you guys. <laughs> mm. I'm going to save you guys all two or 300 bucks. but uh, just buy this tip, right? Mm. And so this is a fantastic exercise, and it works time and time again. So what this exercise is, it's 20 minutes, and it's every single day. Remember, this is a couple who's in trauma or wants to improve their conf- uh, communication or conflict resolution skills. And so for 20 minutes every day, you, one person will take turns at listening and the other person will take turns at speaking. Mm-hmm. And generally when we start this exercise, we'll pick very neutral topics. We won't pick something that you're you've been fighting on consistently for the past two years, right? Something really general, like say your favourite vacation destination. And one person will start speaking about their most favourite vacation destination and the other person's job is to listen, not to interrupt, not to eye roll, not to make snide comments, not to ask questions, but just to listen exactly like they would have when they were first dating, right? like they were interested. And as guys, you know what it's like when you're at that bar or you're at that dinner table and that woman's talking and you're thinking, oh, my gosh, right, I don't even hear what she's saying, but she's so <laughs> beautiful and you're nodding and you're being polite and you're sort of, you're looking engaged, right? You know, that's okay as a guy. Just do that because we, as a girl, we just want someone that's interacting and being attentive, right? Yeah. Now, you can't just totally tune out because you might have to actually um, say something at the end, right? That <laughs> indicates that you were paying attention. But I understand the way guys listen is very different from the way girls listen. But it's going back to those basics where you're just in tune with that other person.
2: I mean, I really love the, the, what you were saying about. Just imagine it's as if you first met, because we can all go back to that. And like you said, they can do no wrong. You know, I I could make you think I am so interested in what's going on. And, you know, oftentimes I think, again, there's a lot of truth to that. You are interested when you care about them. And as time goes on, you sometimes go, oh, well, we have this foundation built, so I don't need to show that same interest. And it becomes apparent. And I think that's where a lot of the problems stem from.
1: Oh yeah. You know, with with guys especially, when they come in, they've been married 20 years, my heart breaks because the, the common theme for every guy that comes in is the wife doesn't give affection anymore. Affection and attention. And that's all he wants, right? Sex isn't actually on the top of the list. It's affection and attention because the wife doesn't listen anymore. He goes to open his mouth and she tunes him out straight away. And it's a real heartbreak. So to do an exercise, like I just mentioned, it sounds easy, but just try it. You know, for someone to actually sit down and listen for 20 minutes to someone they've been in a long-term relationship with Mm -hmm. and just listen intently, it's very, very difficult.
2: I can imagine it is. I'm going to try that out, too. I really like that idea. I think the bond that it creates and what it can foster and just keep going through the relationship. I, I love that. Savannah, I really appreciate you being on the show. This is great stuff. I hope it helps out a number of people and at least getting them going in the right direction, keeping the relationship on track, finding the one. And, and all those good things. For more on what you do, and I know you, you blog about different things, you have videos, you have books and courses. Could you let our listeners know where they could find out more about you?
1: Yeah, just a, probably the best site to find out on stuff that we've been talking about today is my net site. And if, if you... You know, probably the one of the most fun courses I've got right now is a course I got uh called Movie Therapy. And you know, it's it's basically watching chick flicks and then you go through really structured exercises at the end of that movie um and it helps you do those uh conflict resolution and communication exercises right and really keeps you tight. Um so that that's a really great one. And then I've got other – I'm CEO of the Relationship Society with Dr. Joe Whitcomb, and, uh, and if you want to be a coach, I've got the Infidelity Recovery Institute.
2: <laughs> well, again, Savannah, thank you so much for being on the show. And thanks for doing it. It's such an early time, I know, over there. But hopefully it's a good start to your day.
1: Oh, well, this has been <laughs> fantastic. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Welcome back. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Savannah. Once again, I was not there for this one, so this time I brought along a little special surprise in our outro here. And with me, I have my wonderful, beautiful girlfriend, Amanda. Do you want to say hi? Hi. I thought it'd be a perfect time to introduce her since Savannah and Chris talked about relationships and how important it was to have open communication throughout a relationship. And Amanda, what do you think in our relationship? Do we have, do we have good communication or No.
1: I definitely think we do.
0: What about humor? Because Savannah says that humor is a really important part of a relationship. Do you think I'm one of the funniest people you know? <laughs> Loaded question. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. So, guys, again, hope you enjoyed that with Savannah. Please head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com to see what else is going on. And you can tweet Savannah at infidelityguru if you have any questions. I'm sure she would be more than willing to have a conversation with you. And go ahead and check out her book, I Cheated, A Fair Recovery Advice for When You Have Been Unfaithful. Hopefully, you may not have to read that book, but if you do have to, be sure to check it out. Head over to Amazon or your local bookstore. And speaking of Amazon, you can use our link, smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon, to give us a little kickback for each order that you make on Amazon. It costs you nothing, and it's one of the Easiest ways to support the show and we greatly appreciate when you guys do that. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review and comment there. And if you have any suggestions for future guests or topics, please send us an email at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks again and stay tuned for another exciting episode of Smart People Podcast next week.